You are listening to the Joe Rogan Experience Review Podcast. We find little nuggets, treasures, valuable pieces of gold in the Joe Rogan Experience Podcast and pass them on to you, perhaps expand a little bit. We are not associated with Joe Rogan in any way. Think of us as the talking dead to Joe's walking dead. Enjoy the show. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of the Joe Rogan Experience Review. Uh, A couple of announcements. First off, I am looking for a new co-host. Since I moved, it's hard to uh, kind of coordinate with my previous co-hosts. So if you are a fan of this podcast, if you've done some podcasting before, you listen to all the Rogans and you'd like to talk about it, um, contact me and I'll be kind of, I guess, doing some interviews. And uh, hopefully I'm going to pick a good co-host. It's always better to have a couple of people on here for the listeners and for me. Um, What was that noise? Anyway, uh, yeah. So contact me at JoeRoganExperienceReview at Gmail. Or you can get us on our Instagram at uh, JoeRoganExperienceReview. Same thing. Same image. You'll find us. Get a hold of us. And uh, we'll figure out what we can do. Um, also, people have been asking me why I don't review every single episode for the week. Well, uh, I basically, I like to listen. I listen to them all, but I always like to choose one that I don't take notes on. Because in order to kind of do this and make it not terrible, uh, I take notes. I pay a lot of attention. And then I try and get talking points. But I also want to listen to it just as a fan, casually. So I just pick one per week. This week was the Gad Sad one. I like that guy, and he's been on lots of times. I usually pick one where somebody's been on a bunch of times or a comedian, just so it's not redundant. Uh, but that's how I do that, and that's why it's not every one. I also don't really do the uh, MMA ones. I, I'm a big fan of those. But if they're like a fight companion or if it's particularly MMA and it's a more obscure person that people won't know about, I don't, I don't usually review those ones. Okay? Um, we got some good guests for this week. The Alex Jones, Tim Dillon one. Unbelievable. Um, Glenn Greenwald. Uh, that one was very interesting. And then uh, Tristan Harris. Quite scary one there about social media. So some good guests this week. Let's get started. Podcast. You're listening to the Joe Rogan Experience Review. What a bizarre thing we've created. Now with your host. Adam Thorne. This might either be the worst podcast or the best one of all time. One, go. Enjoy the show. So, Jamie is back. Exciting. He's not sick anymore. Uh, Says he can't taste anything, though, which is uh, interesting. I've heard that a few times from people that I know that have got sick. They lose their taste. So, Jesus. Imagine that. Like, what, what is food like then? Is it just chewing and that's it? I don't know, but anyway, I'm glad he's back. Alex said he was nervous on this podcast, which is kind of funny because he's always on... I mean, he's saying the crazy shit all the time, bless him. So he, uh, for him to get nervous coming on Rogan, I think it's all the pressure from him being banned from different social media outlets. I'd like to hear what you guys think about him being on. You know, there's a lot of... There was a lot of news after he was on about how... You know, Spotify should push back and Joe shouldn't let him on and they shouldn't give him a voice and it's dangerous and blah, blah, blah. Joe did a lot of vetting, though, on this podcast, which I thought was really important. 
and uh, obviously with Alex drinking as well, you never know what you're going to get. Having Tim on was really cool. I know Tim's a big fan of of Alex and uh, getting to kind of fanboy out and add his own little conspiracies. I thought it was pretty cool. Uh, it started off with a lot of environmental talk, like how coal burns clean, CO2 isn't bad for the environment, raising temperatures isn't necessarily bad. Alex kept referencing like how in the past with the dinosaurs there was a lot more CO2 or like the plant like more plants will grow I don't know I just don't know enough about whether you can make that argument to be honest I I don't know I'm not a scientist but at the same time I feel like there was a lot more oxygen back with the dinosaurs and I'm pretty sure that if we went back in time and lived then we would just die like the the environment was so different, the air was so different, we wouldn't even be able to breathe it. So unless he wants to bring dinosaurs back, I don't know what what kind of uh, comparison he was making there. But uh, yeah, he's sure that it's he's sure that this global warming stuff is is totally fake, and he and he talks a lot about his white papers or white papers that he reads, some sort of released document scientific or otherwise that that states a lot about this sort of thing i i don't know i don't know what to think about that um but who knows joe was really struggling to keep him on track which is always a little difficult when you hear the rogan podcast where he's struggling to keep the guest um you know, on their points and kind of concise, it, it kind of, it makes it very difficult for me to concentrate through it. I'm like, oh, Jesus, where is this one going? But he he does a good job with it. Like, he's been getting a lot better, I think, because his podcast is so massive now. He has no choice but to fact check a lot, not just laugh along to uh, idiotic things that are being said, and also uh, keep keep the guest rolling instead of just talking about nothing or just going off on infinite tangents which which uh alex loves to do he absolutely loves it he was talking about uh technology making us dumb and how that's kind of why it's designed like these big tech industries and ai and the the guys that are making it are trying to make us almost obsolete by making us super dumb i i struggle to see that point i think that I mean, there's there's probably a lot of that. There's probably a lot of misinformation. And then we have machines that do a lot of things for us. But I don't think that's what it's designed for. I mean, it's designed to make our lives better, give us more access to information and take care of shit that we don't want to do, right? I mean, how long until we have like a robot maid in our house cleaning up? That's going to be great. I mean, will that make us dumber? Maybe. It definitely make us less good at cleaning. Hard to say. Uh, they got into Bohemian Grove, which is the, um, I guess it's like a Republican or government, like, pol- politician hangout, where they go on this retreat, and they kind of worship these effigies, and then, you know, Skull and Bones is involved, they, like, bathe in shit, there was uh, a bunch of gay activity, that place sounds wild, I don't, I don't know what the point of any of that stuff is i guess networking on a really high class level ah i don't know would you guys go to that does that sound like a fun thing to do i don't think bathing in shit is anything i ever want to do 
Um, the human trafficking stuff that they got into is really scary. And there's been a lot of talk with that, with like the QAnon conspiracies, and it keeps coming up on the podcast. And I mean, it's obviously a thing that's happening, but it's just terrifying to think about. And just knowing that those sorts of things are going on and what, you know, what are we even, like the fact that there could be big, I wouldn't say organizations, but syndicates maybe that are organizing this and making it happen. I mean, Alex has a lot to say about this, and it does kind of fall under the conspiracy realm, but it's kind of a thing you don't want to overlook. That one you don't want to brush under the table because it's like, it's fucking bad shit. Not cool at all. Um, Really don't like it. Red Band moving to Austin. So I guess Brian Red Band's back on the podcast. Uh, I don't know what role he's going to play, but I think he's going to back up Jamie and maybe step in every now and again, help Jamie out. Red Band obviously has been there since the beginning. Legend. Uh, I've spoke to him a couple of times at the comedy store. Really nice guy. And uh, yeah, the fact that he's moving to Austin too. It's like everyone's leaving LA. I really don't blame him. I mean, they said that the comedy clubs aren't opening. Why would you go back? I mean, what what is there to do out there? It's a mess. Obviously, today is election day. It's November 3rd. And they talked a lot about voter fraud. And, um, you know, these mail-in ballots. Holy shit. What does that mean? Are we not going to find out who the president is by tonight? I don't know. I mean, I was checking earlier results. I guess it's only 4.30 mountain time, so they, they don't have any yet. But what does that mean? Is it going to be days before we find out? I mean, how are people going to feel about that? That's super frustrating. People want to know. People really want to get into it. Um. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see what happens. We know by the next podcast. Um, Tim was having a blast throughout the whole podcast. That's what I really enjoyed. And by the end, Alex was kind of a bit hammered, so he was just being ridiculous. And uh, I, I really quite liked it. I, I think it's great that he can get on and do this. I mean. I don't have to believe everything he says, but people should have a voice. Isn't that what freedom of speech is? I think banning people everywhere is not the way to do it. I don't know. I mean, if it's dangerous, yes. And Alex has said some things that were a bit, his Sandy Hook stuff was was a bit out there. But he kind of did better on this one, I think. You know, and Joe was fact-checking him a bit. Maybe that's the best way for him to get his message out. I don't know. Up next, we got 1553 Glenn Greenwald. Uh, this guy was interesting. He lives down in Brazil. Um, he's the reporter that exposed the Snowden case, right? And I'm a big fan of Snowden. That was a very scary time for him, I'm sure. He imagined the pressure. He said he was carrying around those uh, zip drives of all the information in. I mean, how he wasn't assassinated, I have no idea. Thank God. Thank God that doesn't just happen. But... You know, he said Snowden was very honorable, and that's what he's always sounded like to me. Like, he came from a good family. He did the right thing. It's beautiful to hear. It's beautiful to know that people are out there that are willing to do that. And and it's really quite patriotic, which is ironic because he's been deemed, you know, a national security threat, which just, I don't know. I don't know if that can be true. Do you think that a president could ever pardon him? Or is it just too politically hot to do that? I don't know. 
I think it could be done, but does it maybe encourage people in the future to release other information that might be, you know, actually important for the government to keep quiet? It's it's one of those things, but I think what Snowden did was was admirable. We didn't know about any of this. And and now he's a permanent resident of Russia. So I guess that's good. You know, he's going to be staying there for some time. The It's crazy to hear that the people involved in this, in government, lied to Congress and are still mostly in their positions. That, to me, is really disheartening. At least if you're going to get caught, you know, round up some of the people involved and and put some pressure on them, knowing that they could just lie like that, say that the government wasn't really watching anybody and um, get away with it is quite disgusting. That to me was just something I really didn't want to hear a lot of. I was surprised to hear that Joe Biden put a lot of pressure on other uh, countries to stop Snowden getting asylum in those countries. Maybe that was his role at the time. Maybe he didn't want to do that. It's hard to say. I mean, but he did it. He put a lot of pressure on him, and he and he came down on him hard. And it's kind of ironic because, you know, when when uh, Barack Obama got into power, you know, like Joe often says on his website, it said for clear hope and change or hope and change or something. It was saying the whistleblowers would be protected. So. They made a 180 on that real quick. And and as Glenn was saying, the CIA is so powerful, the president really just has to play ball, which is super ironic that Trump doesn't and doesn't give a fuck. I mean, is that dangerous? He survived four years, and we're going to find out tonight if he does another four. So maybe if that is the case, maybe the CIA isn't as powerful as is politicians have been thinking maybe you can push back a little bit about you know against them who knows um i liked a lot of what they were saying about silicon valley and uh getting forced into the censorship game like they really didn't want to censor and we're going to talk about that on the next review a little bit more because that's to do with social media but uh the yeah the censoring issue like they were basically forced into this position where they had to regulate themselves and he on the podcast he gives a really good example about AT&T and phone calls and what that means right so if you make a phone call on AT&T they're not responsible for what's said or what's planned but if you put it up on Facebook and a lot of people can look at it and see it or Instagram or wherever Twitter then the company is kind of responsible and they have to take certain things down and figure out what's what and that's difficult, and it's very costly. But it's important. I mean, it seems to be fucking swaying elections. It's it's kind of crazy. Uh, a big thing that Glenn talked about was how he was really impressed by Joe when he issued the apology for the um, fires that were started by like left-wing activists. So Joe thought this had happened. I guess he said it on his podcast. Jamie pointed it out the next day that wasn't true. Joe released an Instagram video saying, look, I fucked up, my bad. And it was all him. He decided to do it. He knew he was wrong. And Glenn gives him a lot of credit for it. And he says that a lot of reporters and shows and things similar to Joe's 
uh, though different, you know, more mainstream, wouldn't have done it. They would have doubled down and, um, and kind of, you know, bunk it in and, and made their excuses. And it takes some balls to do that, which is really cool. And it's and it's cool to hear that because Glenn's obviously a very legitimate reporter. And he had his ideas of what Joe was before he got on the podcast or started listening to it. And I think he has a different perspective of him now. I think he's like, hey, this isn't just the fear factor douchebag. This guy has some shit to say. <clears throat> so it's that that to me is is interesting, you know, and and. I've seen it before. I've seen it with other comedians that I knew that have never seen Joe perform. And I would take him to the comedy store and we would go either watch his show or like if he was performing on stand up on the spot. And I'd say, watch this guy. Let me know what you think. And he's fucking good at stand up. And it's not until you see it, see it straight up. You see what what he can do. I mean, then, you know, next up and last one, 1558. Tristan Harris. Okay, so this is about the social dilemma. That's a great documentary. If you haven't seen it, watch that shit. Go watch it right after this. It's totally worth it. It will freak you out. So maybe smoke weed, maybe not. Depends how that shit affects you. Maybe do some CBD gummies. Um, I recommend CBD MD gummies. I just got some. Uh, just boshed one of those. So it's they're pretty fucking good. I got the 1500 milligram. I think I got a bit carried away. That sounds like a lot. <clears throat> so if this last review starts to go a bit loosey-goosey, you're going to know why. Uh, Google used to have don't be evil on their like terms policy or like, uh, what is it, mission statement or something. And they removed that. And Joe has brought this up a few times. Why would you remove it? I guess they changed it to something else like be nice. I guess that's the same. You know, but I wonder why even why take that out? Like Joe talked about that to me. I'm like, keep that shit in. Yeah, don't be evil. You're like the most power, one of the most powerful companies in the world. Don't get rid of that shit. Um, the the, the real what I, my takeaway from the social dilemma and what what uh, uh, Tristan Harris was saying was was when they mentioned that it was tilting the view of the world a few degrees, right? That's what social media has been doing. It kind of leans you in a little direction with these rabbit holes that feed you into the next video or the next clip or the next tweet or the next Facebook page that thinks that you'll stay engaged longer. And it's usually done by capturing your attention through fear, um, maybe some sort of intimidation, and... And maybe feeding into your paranoia as well. I mean, I guess that's what keeps us engaged. So it has this effect where it takes you down this kind of dark rabbit hole. And before you know it, you're watching flat earth shit and anti-vaxxer stuff and a lot of wacky things, maybe even like QAnon, that are really not vetted. And maybe something that, taken out of context, you really wouldn't have even paid attention to. But there's a lot of bored people that are spending a lot of time online and they're kind of feeding this. And and also, I think, just like any conspiracy, people like to feel like they know something that other people don't know, right? I think we all do that. And by doing that, it's like, oh, did you know about this? No, I read about it, man. I've done research. Well, no, you've watched a bunch of videos that God knows who made those. And it's a slippery slope. And it's very dividing. 
Because if you follow like a republic, like take politics, you follow like a Republican path, it goes deep and it takes you far right. And if you follow a very liberal path, then it's going to, those videos are going to do the same thing and it's just going to slide you into a far left kind of ideology. And that's not bringing people together. That's definitely creating division. So it's, it's a big problem. When Joe asked, what are the solutions? You know, how can you stop this? How do you stop these conspiracy groups? And, and like even Brett Weinstein's account, Unity 2020 getting taken down. The, the answers were, the solutions weren't great. They were complicated and there didn't seem to be a lot of motivation behind it. I mean, some ideas he threw out, like maybe the next page takes you to something you can learn or something that can prosper your life. But it's like, maybe you don't stay that engaged with that thing. I mean, there's a reason we're bored and online anyway, looking at this shit instead of learning the piano or French. I mean, it's easier to do. It's a nice distraction. So, and where's the profit in it? That to me is the problem. It's like people aren't going to pay for these social media apps they're not gonna do it i mean i don't see i you know i use some of them i don't see a lot of good that comes out of them i mean you just take instagram you see a lot of people just posting things i know uh, oftentimes and you can just take like girls that i've dated like when i know they get upset and they need attention they're often putting stuff on their stories and kind of feeding it that way and does that make them feel better i mean sure you get that little dopamine boost for a second but is it a healthy outlet for these things hard to say i mean you hear a lot about social media addiction you don't hear a lot about the major benefits of social media i mean maybe if you're making a lot of money from it and you have a lot of followers but even some of those people, that's like, it's kind of a dangerous addiction for them. They start valuing everything that's coming through there. How many likes did I get? How many views? Like, what's happening here? How many retweets? <clears throat> they did talk about how Apple is really the company that's best for privacy. Keeps your shit private. They're a big company. And maybe they could make a new type of social media thing that doesn't draw you down those rabbit holes. They certainly have the power to do it. And that to me is very promising. I like that idea. I, I, I would love to see them try and make something like that. I mean, they can still profit a shit ton from it. They have all the technology and infrastructure to do it. And maybe, maybe they would make a better version that other social medias, because then you know, kind of model themselves from. Or it could be one of those where people just like the the program so much that it just takes over. And then that becomes the new one we use. And we f realize that it's healthier. There needs to be some research, like real research that goes into the effects of this. Like, d does a bunch of social media make you depressed? How much should you look at it a day? How should you interact with it? When should you know your kind of getting pulled into the negative side of it. It would be it would be good if these programs had some sort of built-in system that could figure this out. One thing I liked that they talked about near the end is talking about AI systems, right? So systems that you can interact with, you could text with, you could talk with. And one thing that they talked about, and the name of it was Chatbot. 
chatbot AI. And during the study with this chatbot, they found that people were actually enjoying talking to this thing more than they would their regular social group and friends. They didn't say why it was, but maybe because it's just nicer to them. But in the case of people that were suicidal, it said that by communicating with this thing, they were less likely to commit suicide as a result of this. And think, if there's an app that can do that, you know, an AI that can do that, can help people feel better about themselves and it actually works, that's definitely a plus. Things like that are very, very nice. And But again, where's the where's the financial incentive, right, for companies to do this? And one example that he gave is at the end of the very end of the podcast, he said, during the abolition of slavery in England, the UK dropped its GDP 2% a year for many years in order to kind of work with getting rid of slavery. So when it came economically, it was actually financially bad for the country, but it was such a moral um, prerogative that they had to follow through with it. People agreed, overwhelming consensus, and... Over the years, they were able to do this because they knew it was just wrong. So so there are examples in history of countries or giant corporations doing the right thing ethically, even if it works against them economically and for financial growth. So it's happened before. People could do it again. That gives me some hope. That's the kind of shit that I like to hear. So we'll see what happens with this. But again, if you haven't watched The Social Dilemma, check it out. It's very, very good. Thank you, as always, for listening, guys, and listening to me rabbit on. Again, if you're interested in being a co-host and you want to talk to me about it, email me. Get a hold of me. All the information is in the show notes. And that's it. See you next week. Thanks a lot.